This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 25th of April 2023 at home in Wicklow. And in this episode, I talk about my wedding day memories because I recorded the episode on my 20th wedding anniversary. So the first part of the the episode, I'm just uh, taking a little stroll down memory lane and sharing some thoughts on that day, (laughs) that experience. Um, And then I move on to the topic of neglect, not related, no, no connection to my experience of being married. Um, certainly not uh, an experience I'm willing to confess to at this moment in time but for some reason I found myself reflecting on the idea of neglect and the cost of neglect and something my my daughter said to myself and my wife made me more convinced that it was a, a concept a topic worth looking at Um, I end today's episode focusing on two very confronting, disturbing, um, harrowing stories from Ireland's past uh, connected to the treatment of women and the treatment of uh, women who were married, who were pregnant out out of wedlock. Sounds like such a antiquated phrase at this stage but um, those incidents um, are infamous in modern Irish history and they were defining episodes in uh, in an awakening of of consciousness around women's rights and how women were being treated in a very conservative patriarchal society and the events I'm referring to were um, incidents involving the women Anne Lovett and Joanne Hayes and the uh, the events that sort of befell them very very tragically so I'm going to talk about those so that you can be kind of consider that a warning um, but yeah it just for some reason that's that that those stories were on my mind and in a way the implication is that they're, they were the, the victims of neglect um, and examples of how society can fail people and fail vulnerable people. So um, yeah, so that you know that part of the episode is, is pretty pretty heavy stuff, but um, I hope I, I treat it with due care. Um, and if it's, uh, if, it's if, if there are stories you're familiar with, you might be interested. I, I share my own memories. Um, I was only 10 when those incidents happened in 1984. But um, yeah, I look at them in a bit of detail as well. Okay, so that's what's coming up. A bit of a, a, bit of a mixed bag. Um, uh, and quite serious, obviously, in places. But worth a listen, I believe. I will see you there around the corner. Cheers. Ooh, not gonna change my mind the dream behind. Keep my Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out, 
You're very welcome. How are you? How's it going? Are things rolling smoothly? Or do you have troubles? Do you have worries? Are you looking towards the future with hope, optimism, ease? Or are you anchored to something in the past that won't quite let go? Or is everything just in the now? That that really is one way to uh, approach things with a greater chance of of calmness to be present in the moment and to resist the the impulse to catastrophize to resist the impulse to panic to resist the impulse to cast yourself into an endless chain of reaction and reaction to the reaction and so on so on so on can you Find the presence of mind to step outside that chain and be a witness. <laughs> Can you be a witness? Can you be a witness to events, to yourself, to the moment? Can you get any, any objectivity? Or are you, are you just a wasp in a dog's mouth? <laughs> getting flung about the place across a sloppy tongue (laughs) oh dear anyway listen here you are here i am here we are together there has to be a together this is a, a strange coming together because i've already left this moment this is this voice comes to you from the past maybe the very recent past depending on when you choose to listen but maybe this is from the distant past. But in any case, this is a disembodied voice, a disembodied representation of consciousness, of my thoughts, my feelings, my unstoppable ego. (laughs) And it's, it's all for you. It's not for you, is it? It's for me. Thank you for taking part in my ongoing long-running personal self-therapy project because uh, in, in many ways that is what this podcast is and I continue to trust that the things I do here are relatable and therefore of use of service they are they have the potential they have the potential to be a mirror they have a potential to be a sounding board. They have the potential to be a familiar echo <laughs> of things known to you, things felt by you, things experienced by you. And I believe there's value in that. I believe there's value in that. And it's something to do with recognition. It's something to do with a feeling of simpatico. It's something to do with having the sensation of being a fellow traveller through this messy thing we call life. So, yes, that is that is that that is what that is what I do here on on the clear out. It is an exploration of of wellness, of trying to stay well, 
of trying to stay honest and authentic and the project continues because in my opinion there is no arrival and that is nothing that is nothing to be afraid of that is nothing to be afraid of yeah that kind of that type of arrival if you believe in its existence um for me it's a it's a dead end that's when life ceases to be that's when you no longer exist in and and i'm and i'm speaking in a metaphorical sense um i think the the most inspiring thing that was sent to me in recent times and and i did quote it um a few weeks ago a couple of months ago maybe uh, since the new year since the turn of the year and it was that maya angelou quote which was very simply oh i haven't seen this day before and that will always be the case it's it, it, it's 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 a very strange contradiction it's a strange paradox the feeling we can have of endless repetition the feeling we can have of being that mouse in that treadmill or that guinea pig or hamster or whatever it might be the feeling we can have of the eternal recurrence as for uh, i was going to say freud as nietzsche called it the sensation that everything is repeated that you find yourself in the same circumstances again and again and again it's extraordinary that we can feel like that and yet if we can just switch our brain to a slightly different setting where you can appraise each day with i haven't been here before because you've just landed in the future when you wake up in the morning or when you wake up at night if you're a if you're a night shift person you're in the future you've just landed in the future you've slept through you've slept through the interim you've slept through the linking zone and you wake up i i didn't i had an experience like that this morning i woke up before my alarm i could hear the the rooster crowing in the garden and i was a little bit disoriented um i thought i was going to be working today and i ended up not having to so i permitted myself a bit longer in bed um and i woke up and had to kind of just gather myself and go where am I? Who am I? What day is it? What am I doing this morning? And I just felt quite calm when I was like when I when I, I had that moment of, oh, this day, I haven't seen this day before. What's it going to bring? And there was a nice blue light in the morning sky that felt promising. It suggested an absence of clouds. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very welcome the very, a very welcome absence yesterday morning was so dark and wet um and today was not and is not um yes today is also and i did i didn't mention this last week oh i, I can see a kitten i can see a kitten outside my window ruby no longer a kitten really um I did describe her recently to my daughter as a, a bowling ball in a sock <laughs> because she likes to eat. She's actually not overweight, but there are times when maybe she's just eaten that her, her belly seems to protrude a bit more prominently. Anyway, Ruby is at the window and she will not be granted admittance. Uh, 
Um, yes. In any case, I was just about to say, it is my wedding anniversary today. Um, my 20th wedding anniversary. And just by by coincidence, I I found myself in in Wicklow Town this morning and that is where I was living where my wife and I were living when we got married that is where we got married we got married in the civic office in in Wicklow Town and at that time we were living in a little apartment that overlooked the harbour in Wicklow Town and I went into Wicklow Town this morning to buy a card (laughs) for my wife I hadn't had a chance and I wanted to buy her a nice card and in the bookshop in Wicklow Town. The lovely, the lovely bookshop, Bridge Street Books. Well, it's a great little bookshop run by the lovely Hilary and her crew. And they have nice cards. So I wanted to get a nice card for my wife. We're going to celebrate in a couple of days. More on that anon. But um, yeah, so I found myself in Wicklow Town and I had a swim in the harbour under a blue sky with some beautiful bright fluffy clouds above the water was very cold 10 degrees ish it's probably not quite 10 degrees yet and there was a lot of rain yesterday and also that harbour gets a lot of there's a there's a river that flows in and out of that harbour so you get that cold water fresh water effect mixed in with the salt water um, but it felt reasonably clean which was nice and it was flat which was lovely a little bit of a current to swim against uh, I probably stayed in too long because I'm still feeling a little bit of a chill now over two and a half hours later. Um, but yes, I couldn't help but reflect on the past and that day 20 years ago. We woke up on our wedding day and it was lashing rain. Lashing rain. And I had to take myself up the street and purchase half a dozen large umbrellas so we could travel safely <laughs> to the civic office. I think I can't even remember. I think we walked. We may not have. Maybe we drove. It wasn't far. Um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law were over with us from Australia. My best friend was around to be the best man. And there was going to be a small gathering at the civic office. So we needed umbrellas just in case. And we had our ceremony, which was... Um, surprisingly um, moving now now what am I trying to say the language of the civic ceremony was surprisingly poetic it wasn't just cold mechanical government language civic language a little bit of thought having put into it so that was yeah, that was surprising, and it was so, and it was nice. Um, and when we emerged from the civic office as man and wife, the sun was splitting the stones. <laughs> it was an omen. <laughs> it was an omen that the uh, the dark the dark days of rain and cloud would be overcome. That the sun would triumph. The light, the li- <laughs> the light would shine on us, and. The weather was great for the rest of the day. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was, just, I was just kind of revisiting those moments this morning um, because I was I was swimming, you know, mere feet 
from the apartment where we lived uh, and a lot of those memories came back very vividly I mean come on 20 years ago I mean it's not ancient history or anything and I still have you know most of my faculties I feel so it's not a stretch to to, to pull those out of the memory banks um, yeah it was it was it was it was a great day I, I really did enjoy our wedding day and I, I don't think that's something you know all brides or grooms can say it can be a very stressful day as well but I don't know we just kind of arranged it planned it and executed it very well and it was a little bit informal um we had we did have a small sit down family dinner for about 25 of us including my, my late grandmother um on my father's side and that was lovely and then a friend provided us with a, a vintage cadillac and drove us to where we were having our big kind of uh, evening bash in a local the function room of a local pub very close to my parents house and we had about 200 guests and a heaving buffet of delicious food and of course my wife being the singer and musician a host of great musicians and singers and performers and lots of friends and family friends and surprise guests um, and one of the best surprise guests actually who turned up at the civic office uh, now I knew he was coming my wife didn't but it was an, an old friend of hers from Sydney and she walked into the, the civic offices and there he was and popped out behind the door and nearly gave her a heart attack so that was uh, that was great so uh, hi Mark if you're listening uh, poor old Mark by virtue of being friends with me threw his lot in with uh, Tottenham Hotspur um, in recent years and that you know that is a, a torpedo on this sunny uh, recollection um, because my, my football team my beloved Spurs are in the absolute doldrums um, yeah I, you know what I'm not even going to go there it's just agony it's disgusting it's a disgrace it's appalling <laughs> and it's totally disheartening and a source of constant weekly rage <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yes the uh, the pit of despond in which I, I, I plummet um, is a direct result of their failure to coalesce as a productive spirited functional successful team on the field of play um, yeah horrendous horrendous anyway Mark I apologise for that but what can you do we'll we'll stick we'll stick with them um, yeah so in any case I, I was just I was just giving you a brief sketch of the wedding day big bash at the end of the day uh, and then subsequently a party back at my parents house and eventually we went to bed I don't know I mean, it must have been five in the morning um, but I do remember I, I, may have got, I may have mentioned this before I don't know why I would have but I do remember at, before we went up to my parents house it was just myself and my wife sitting together um, in the pub so everyone had left the function room and yeah we just had a moment of holy hell holy shit <laughs> this is it it's done the deed is done we are man and wife and hasn't this gone well um 
Yeah. And it was lovely. It was it was a nice little moment of of that presence of mind I was referring to before to just kind of go, here we are, this is now. Before heading up to the debauchery of a party at my, my parents' house. Um, and that's all fine. Anyway, the next day, the following day, we were we were booked into a, a local, very nice boutique hotel and to have our sort of first the first night of our honeymoon before having a little trip out to the west of Ireland for our actual honeymoon <laughs> anyway my um <laughs> I didn't drive at the time and, and my wife's car wouldn't start so we ended up going to this lovely boutique hotel in my father's work van <laughs> and that's grand now, it was a particular van. It's a Toyota Hiace. It was a red Toyota Hiace. You know, great van, great work van. But it's also it was also kind of the van that was very much associated with members of the traveling community in Ireland. So that would be travelers. And, you know, for want of a better phrase, Irish travelers, um, uh, you can, you could, I suppose you could talk about them as being sort of like indigenous gypsies of Ireland. Now, I hope that's in no way derogatory because I don't have any derogatory feelings towards that community. Uh, my mother taught members of that community um, when she was embarking on her teaching career uh, a lifetime ago. And so we always had sort of a, a positive association and connection with them in my family. Um, but they are not beloved, beloved by all and um, you know are subject to a lot of prejudice and discrimination um and i'm not i'm not going to explore that whole thing right here and right now but um it was funny to us that we were you know rocking up to this nice semi-swish hotel um in this work van um on our on our on our honeymoon but uh, that is where we're going to go to celebrate um in a couple of nights which is um, the lovely, uh, the lovely Brook Lodge in uh, McCredden, near Ockram, uh, not not far from where we live here um, in Wicklow. So that's going to be a lovely little treat, uh, a little night there, and a lovely meal. And um, yeah, it feels very um, what? What's the word I'm looking for? It feels, huh? Serendip- it's not serendipitous because that seems that involves kind of good fortune or, or good luck but there's something very very neat and circular um and right feeling about going there um so we're very much looking forward to that um yes so in any case what and i look yeah, I'm just going. Look, I've, I've, the only reason I've gone there is because you know I had a nice, I had a nice lunch there in Wicklow with my wife, and I suppose I was just reflecting on those memories, and I thought, sure, why not? I'll start with that. That's a nice thing to start with. But um, today, there was, I'm going to go to some pretty tough stuff, actually. Um, so I'm going to go from that nice <laughs> rose-tinted look at my. At my wedding day, um, and I, I, I doubt I'd be surprised if I can draw uh, a true connection to that um, and what I'm going to going to speak about for the rest of this episode. But this starts 
with it starts with the idea of neglect i suppose and i I just found myself sitting on this idea um over the last week um the idea of neglect as as a very powerful shaping element or or prevailing condition or perception um or sort of received experience in, in someone's life and i think if you're a child and you're subject to neglect it's it can be incredibly damaging it can be incredibly shaping and forming um and yeah i i, I suppose and again i don't to i don't to to over egg this but <laughs> that you know certainly that would be an aspect of my own childhood um and i suppose my instinct would tell me that if you're if you are someone who grew up in the whatever like I'm, I'm a 70s kid so if you grew up in the 70s and 80s but i guess if you grew up in the whatever the 50s the 60s the 70s the 80s the, you know the, the the parenting approach was so profoundly different to to what's out there today um and i know you could argue that in many ways parenting has gone way too far in the other direction the sort of the helicoptering frenzied panic panic um informed or fear informed parenting style which is completely suffocating and i think um has a very detrimental effect on a a child's natural resilience and toughness um that, that you know that that's that's at the extreme end of the ex- of the spectrum as always my aspiration is for some sort of balance so um you know tough love when necessary boundaries um being unafraid to lay down the law um but to never never um neglect the the loving caring nurturing side of things and to to emphasize them as underpinning everything else and to act out what those things look like not just to to say the words or or talk about them as ideas but to be demonstrative um and yeah it's i may yeah i'll see i'll I'll see where i'm going to go with this because as ever i just have this little popcorn seed knocking around my head and I'm not sure exactly what my, my through line is here. And I'm going to hop off from this um, in a while and go to something broader um, and social and cultural and historic uh, specific to Ireland because it's really been in, in my mind. But um, yeah, it's funny. My, my daughter said something to, to me, to, to, my, to my wife and I the other day. Um, she was, you know, my daughter, <laughs> my my daughter is a very keen 
yeah, when, when she's in the mood, she's a very keen producer of pictures, drawings, art, just kind of, you know, rattles them off for, you know, following various impulses. And, you know, she's really, <laughs> she's, she's incredibly sort of um, well-intentioned. Uh, so often she's drawing stuff for us, for me or for my wife. And we're occasionally like inundated with, you know, yet yet another, <laughs> yet another picture of something. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> you try, you try to go, oh, <laughs> how lovely. And then, you, you know, you realize, you know, 30 seconds later, 10 seconds later, as soon as my daughter's back is turned, you've just cast it aside to resume, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever else you're getting on with, you know, a very urgent wordle or crossword or reading a football report or you know just getting on with other things um and anyway the other day my wife was my my, my daughter in, in this kind of main open kind of planned living area that we spend a lot of our time in my daughter has a quite a large desk which is her desk to do her homework and her that's where all her stuff is <laughs> you know her her art stuff and toys and bits of lego and markers and pencils and all the rest and my daughter really takes enormous pride in keeping it as messy as possible um and my my wife was cleaning it up cleaning it up the other day and she came across a, a picture and my daughter like snatched it off her angrily and said dada that's what she calls me i'm dada dada i drew that for you <laughs> and i was like oh yeah and it was a, it was a, it was actually quite a cool picture of the easter bunny um with looking vaguely hippie-ish and she'd been given some easter stickers so it was a nice kind of bouncy sticker stuck to it it was, it was cool it was a nice little drawing and happy easter i don't know if it said happy easter data but it was for me and i remember her giving it to me um <laughs> but um you know <laughs> i was like oh yeah yeah that's lovely and you know my, my my wife was trying to launch a defense of listen we can't take everything you give us <laughs> but you know my daughter just said well, she just said very clearly, and I, I just prize this in my daughter, just her um, her direct communication of her emotional state. Um, and she just said, oh, God, how did she put it? Basically, what she was saying was, when you don't take my pictures, it hurts me. Like, when you don't take my pictures, it's like it's like you're rejecting me. Um, and she didn't express it with those words, but she like that was the essence of what she was saying, and she communicated it with absolute clarity. And it, you know, it's my failing that I haven't remembered exactly how she put it because it, it struck me very powerfully at the time. Um, and <laughs> you know, I just apologized and took the picture and said, "I'll cherish it forever," and then I threw it aside. No, I didn't. I folded it very lovingly and carefully, and I, I stuck it safely inside one of my uh, one of my diaries. I think. I know. I know. I know. I did. That's where I put it. Um, but I think what resonated with me, apart from you know my my daughter, you know, expressing herself so well and just getting to the absolute heart of the matter, I. It, it did light, it did kind of set off a little light in my mind and that connective light to this idea of neglect and being neglectful of someone, of something, uh, of not being aware of something that's important 
to someone else. Um, and I felt thankful, I suppose. I was I kind of felt thankful to my daughter for going, yeah, okay, okay, that's good. That's a little slap across the face to go, hey, hey, come on. Um and, and and you know it's 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 not that it's not that my wife doesn't know that or I don't know that, but you get a bit blasé and you get a bit kind of parenty and I mean I think I spoke about this maybe in the first episode. You know, this idea of how we can take for granted so easily the people closest to us and we operate on the assumption of this relationship is always going to be in my life. This person is always going to be in my life. There is nothing but time to repair the ills, repair the failings. And there is an inbaked complacency in that. Um, and you know, I say that while also feeling very strongly, I don't want to be overly precious or overly attentive or celebrate every single little tiny moment in my daughter's life because I can't stand that. It, it feels totally imbalanced and unnatural. Um, and as it happens, my daughter, her personality, uh, at this point anyway, um, she doesn't like a fuss being made of her. She doesn't like a big reaction. She doesn't like that intensifying of positive emotion um, and excitement and intense focus on her um so you know she likes to keep things pretty low key <laughs> uh i mean we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see how she how she develops we'll, we'll see where what the natural end point is for that i don't know i mean i just think there's yeah there's there's lots more to, lots more to come i've no idea if that will shift in 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 a different direction um but yeah but in any case th- th- this idea then of of neglect um i suppose a synonym for neglect would be to, to be to be over to you know to be to, to be neglected is to be is to be overlooked um and i think to be overlooked in a way is more that can be more damaging than to be ignored um because to be ignored suggests there's a there's an agency that there's a conscious choice i'm going to ignore this i'm going to ignore you um but if you neglect something or overlook something it's like they haven't even come on your radar um you're not even aware of their presence <laughs> Now, if if I'm going to be totally transparent and dare um, cast myself back into my childhood, I think I was pretty difficult to ignore because I was loud and hyper. Um, Yeah, I had a lot of energy. I mean, maybe to the point of manic, maybe to the point of hyperactive, maybe to the point of sugar-fueled insanity. Um... And if it wasn't actual sugar in the form of, you know, sweets, candy, lollies, fizz bombs, oh, fizz bombs, sherbet. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I had my own internal sugar source 
that kept me rocketing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there is there is a there is a an audio tape like a, there's a cassette. I, I, I think it may have been destroyed accidentally. My I know my younger brother Danny. He was its custodian um, up until quite recently. Um, but the family that he was involved with at the time, one of the, the, the daughters there may have accidentally destroyed it. But it was an audio uh, yeah, recording of me talking to my, my uncle, my uncle Connor, who was always like the fun uncle. And he was asking this, asking, just interviewing me and my brother. I think my brother Oshing was there as well. But I was just gabbling like a completely demented uh free form <laughs> high on life uh born in a vat of cocaine explosion of energy and a million miles an hour verbal diarrhea uh so you know that was me that was me um and yeah, I yeah I <laughs> I'm slightly stunned by that person. Um, I don't. I'm not sure how much of that is still in me. A bit, a bit. There's definitely a bit of that still in me. That's fine. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but I think as as I got older, there was um. There were, you know, there were shifts, I suppose. There were shifts in my awareness. I suppose that's what it is. And, that, and that's the journey for most kids. You know, the awareness changes, your changes, your perception changes. And with that, I think the level of sensitivity changes. Um, and I suppose what we're tapping into is, is, is an energy. Um yeah, and, 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 and the only the only reason I'm hesitating here is because I haven't fully thought this through. So I'm I'm thinking in my seat as as I speak because uh, I'm not sure where I want to go with this. But I've I have a lot of memories of of time spent in pubs. Um, you know, so so drink features, and I, I guess yeah. I mean, this was kind of this was you know, this was the lifestyle choice of my my parents. There was a lot of time in pubs, a lot of time in other people's houses, or drinking. Um, I never felt at risk. I never felt there was real danger, and it was just you know, and very normal culturally in Ireland, and still is. You know, the pub and drinking be this being the center of the the social scene, but it did, of course, bring a sort of a, a neglectfulness and. Maybe this is what I was referring to before when I was talking about if you're a kid of the 70s, the 80s, maybe before 60s, 50s. Uh, you know what I think what Americans refer to as latchkey kids. Um, the whole kind of ah, you'll be you'll be fine. Sort yourself out. Don't worry about it. Um, a, a very hands off approach to parenting, um, and. There were, I suppose, there was great. There were great upsides to that in terms of the adventures you could have and the scrapes you could get into, and you know what you might be off doing, um, which would have been, of course, dictated, you know, on a case by case basis, depending on the kids who involved or who the pals were or what the environment was. Um, but 
I think over time, like, you know, if I think of adolescence, if I, if I think back, and I referred a couple of weeks ago to um, this, this idea of kind of smothering indifference, an overwhelming sense of a lack of interest. <laughs> that feeling got stronger and stronger and stronger as I got older. Um, yeah, and has continued, I suppose. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. It probably doesn't sound this way, but I'm, I'm not really talking about myself. I'm, this isn't, you know, in terms of this idea of neglect, I, I'm not sitting here, you know, feeling sorry for myself or feeling sad. Um, I'm very comfortable uh, <laughs> with how I've processed those experiences, that childhood, that adolescence. I know who I am. I know where I came from and I'm happy with the work I've done on myself. Um, but, you know, neglect as an idea just struck me as like, that's quite a, it's quite a powerful idea. And certainly, you know, if, if I project into the future and go, what's my daughter going to come back to me with or come back to both of us? She'll have different issues with each of us, I suspect, as you know, when she age, as she gets older. And, it, you know, it, it's, it's very unlikely to be the areas that we paid attention to. It's more likely to be the areas that we neglected or she feels that we neglected. And see, that's, it's hard to know what those areas are if people don't tell you or if you're not being particularly observant or mindful or striving to, to constantly pay attention. And I don't think that's how parenting works generally because people are just wrecked <laughs> and dealing with their own personal stresses, their relational stresses, life stresses, work stresses, whatever else. And, you know, parents inevitably take their eye off the ball and i think for young people it's like that's part of their journey of of maturation um and that can be that can be challenging and difficult and it may carry with it a feeling of injustice it may carry with it the perception of being abandoned um or not or uncared being uncared for and in my own case, when I, I'd, pro- I'd probably, I'd certainly probably be able to, you know, produce a list of, um, you know, a charge sheet <laughs> with which to beat my parents. Um, but that that exercise is for another day, not for now. But I was going to say, if I project into the future with my daughter, my, all I hope for really is that she you know that, that that's something foundationally solid in our relationship will withstand all the crap that will inevitably come um and maybe maybe it's not inevitable um i don't know i mean i'd love to think we'll keep something really positive going as she enters her kind of tweens and teens but i think if if my wife and i have kind of striven for anything it's to lay down a really solid base where our daughter feels we're safe and that she can trust us and that there's love here um, and we can keep that chain of communication open, that channel of communication, I should say, open. Um, and that, and that's, a, that's kind of almost the only thing I'm, I'm staking the, the, the survival of the relationship on. Um, I hope that'll be enough. <laughs> it remains to be seen. Uh, as you know, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, I frequently 
find myself examining my own behavior as a, as a father um, and think about the you know reflect on the the implications and hope um, I, I always try to own my my failings and own own my, my my failures and own them with my daughter and go yeah and again I I do that because I don't want to let something go unsaid I don't want to let something go unaddressed so it can build power and do damage and that will continue to be my philosophy and so on that idea the unsaid the overlooked the neglected the turned away from the uncared for I'm going to finish today's episode um so for the last yeah for the last half an hour maybe um I'm going to talk a little bit about these key events um that happened in Irish life Irish society uh about 40 years ago and these are events that happened to young women these are events that happened to un that happened to unwed mothers and these events happened very close together chronologically um purely coincidentally but for some reason and i'm not really sure what the what the what sort of planted this seed in my mind are are in my emotions because i feel very emotional about this um but it, it's topical again um at, at the moment and maybe it's because it's coming up to anniversaries but in any case I, I was, i'm going to talk about the year 1984 and these very high profile uh incidents that happened in ireland in january and april 1984 um and if you're an irish listener of a certain age if i say the names anne lovett and joanne hayes you'll know who i'm talking about immediately and basically you know to my mind these two women epitomize or encapsulate something extremely dark and dark and misogynistic and regressive and frightening about Ireland at that time and the kind of the, the psyche of a damaged nation the psyche of a damaged culture um the psyche of a culture and of a people who were very much in the grip of a repressive controlling moralistic catholicism that had extremely forbidding attitudes towards towards sex and towards and probably more so than anything towards the female body and in particular towards the idea of um an unwed mother and if you're if you know if you're hearing this stuff for the first time um Anne Lovett was a 
15-year-old schoolgirl who was pregnant and on the morning of January 31st, 1984, she took herself to a local grotto in her town where she had her baby and she brought a scissors and cut the umbilical cord and her baby died. Um, her, so she was found in... In a, in a you know in a terrible state in this you know adjacent to the grotto her baby was lying nearby wrapped in a coat dead um a baby boy and she died herself hours later in in a nearby hospital um and her story i don't think came out until after her her funeral i think a, a local guard a local police policeman contacted national media um to share the the story with them um and a few months later in april of 1984 um a woman by the name of joanne hayes who was who was who was 25 um she found herself at the the, the centre of a story where a baby um and, and this is this is particularly gruesome so you know I apologize if this is very if this is confronting stuff but a baby washed up on the the, the shores of a, a local beach down in um Cahar Sivine, uh in Kerry and the baby had been stabbed twenty eight times and this woman Joanne Hayes, she was discovered to have been to have been pregnant herself in this same timeline. Now she had had a a baby that was born that was stillborn, and that baby was buried on her her family farm. But when police went down to investigate the, the the baby that had been found, the stabbed baby, and they, they found out about this local woman who had just had a baby, um, and they subsequently discovered the buried baby. They decided that she had, you know, that, that she was the mother of both children. And she was sort of dragged through the courts and dragged through the, the, the media. And um, it was... Yeah, it was. It was again. It was just this sort of this horrible representation of of the attitudes that prevailed at the time, and how how women were viewed, and how women's bodies were viewed, um, and how the the power of a patriarchal religious state um, dictated. The perception of these young women and of course in in mother and baby homes and in magdalen laundries those attitudes um dictated the fate of of, of young unmarried mothers for for you know for for years and years um and the the implied the implied sort of uh, moral judgment 
that came with the institutional incarceration and the sort of the the, the kind of the, the the righteous and punitive condemnation of of these young women um and I'm referring to the women who actually survived um but were taken into sort of state care in these religious institutions or state institutions that came under sort of the purview of the Catholic Church um you know it it, it reflected it reflected those deeply moralistic judgmental repressive attitudes um and you know you put that in you know you 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 lay that context on top of the actions of of Anne Lovett the the, the schoolgirl who's from Granard in County Longford and of Joanne Hayes who was 25 and down in Kerry and it kind of makes sense that you know women in Ireland at that time felt well you know it, uh, you know this is the end of me if if it's known I have this baby you know and I'm not married and who knows who the father was um but what's you know what'll become of me and so the best thing is to get rid of it but you couldn't get an abortion in Ireland um so many many women would have traveled across to England to get abortions if they had the means to do so if they had the contacts if they had the information if they had the support um some you know some women would have attempted to end the pregnancies themselves women would have offered their children up for adoption um but if you're a a 15 year old schoolgirl, uh, as in the case of Anne Lovett um and remember of course you know these were the days of you know information was much harder to come by you weren't you weren't about to you, you know you couldn't do a google search um there was no internet um and you know again like you think ireland in 1984 this is that that's a country that's virtually unrecognizable to the to, to the ireland of today um like all around, yeah, you know, and don't get me wrong, you could travel, you know, around Ireland today and, and you'd find very remote, very rural, excuse me, very isolated areas. But I guarantee you, all around the country in those areas, you're going to find people who are very much on the cusp of, um, you know, on, uh, you know, living in the fullness of modern technology. Um, they could be working remotely. You know, for 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 any company in the world, they could have access to everything going. Um, they could be far more. You know, they could be they could be as cutting edge with how they're living, um, as anyone who's living in any of the major population centres. Um, but these, like in nineteen eighty four, I was ten, um, and. I have like vague recollect- recollections of these these stories. Um, I remember the story about the girl and scissors and the grotto and a baby. In I think my perception of it as as a kid was like it was a graveyard. Um, and I remember just hearing about the Kerry babies, the Kerry babies. So that was where John Hayes was, and 
you, you know, I, I spoke earlier about this idea of, of energy, of tapping into a sort of an energy, uh, an energy, an, an energy of neglect. Um, and at the time, as a 10-year-old, I just felt, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't understand the stories or know the stories in any great detail, but I was, I was aware of this energy and it was kind of an energy of, of tragedy, an energy of, of shame, an energy of, of sadness. And my recollection is it, it was the energy of something incredibly wrong almost akin to to murder and i don't think my sense was the murder of the children the babies my sense was it was the murder of these women now john hayes is alive and well and only very recently in recent years um finally received an apology from the state um and uh, her family and her received a significant financial compensation um but like Anne Lovett obviously died then. Um, a sister of her, her sister committed suicide only three months later. Her father died a year later, I think. Um, her mother outlived them by some by some time. But um, yeah, that, uh, if I try to tether what happened to those women. Um, to this idea of of neglect I mean just to focus on the images of a teenager in her school uniform lying dying on the ground in the rain and her dead baby in a in a coat beside her uh, and a scissors close at hand and to think of Joanne Hayes and her baby being you know, buried in, on the family farm. And you think, what the hell? Like there's neglect there, isn't there? Like there's horrendous, horrendous societal neglect and horrendous kind of wrongness of thinking that would force women to do that um, and a terrible sort of absence of as is often the case with female victimhood um, a terrible absence of you know implicating male agency or male culpability in these acts um starting with you know the, the 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 fathering of the children but then rising or expanding outwards rapidly to all the the figures of male power whether it's you know police or legal representatives or state representatives or um you know re- you know religious figures the higher ups in in government uh, archbishops etc um and i mean i spoke i spoke uh maybe 6 months ago i spoke about the, the you know the scenes in iran 
and the the protests and all the activism there uh, about women's rights and fighting against religious oppression, suppression, religious violence and the sort of um, the again the sort of the policing of women's bodies the policing of, of the wearing you know how, how women can wear their hair there uh, and, and I spoke in some detail about that and it's, it's impossible not to, to draw a parallel here to, to to what I'm talking about now and you kind of go well okay that's 40 years ago um Ireland has changed and it has it's changed in so many ways um socially progressively speaking um and 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 yet there is and I th- I, th- I, th- I think I don't think Ireland is necessarily exceptional in this case but maybe it's the size of the country and that maybe makes it feel more more intense um more pressurized more 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 present but maybe no country ever truly wants to look at its 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 shameful history um maybe and maybe maybe countries indulge in sort of institutional neglect i mean the phrase that would have been used is you know certainly around ireland or in relation to this type of Irish social history would be conspiracies of silence with people just not talking and to this to to this day the community of Granard in Longford where Anne Lovett was from and where that horrible tragedy unfolded um, largely speaking they've 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 remained um, they've kept themselves very kind of shut off from from media and not spoken about it and not really gone there or wanted to explore those events and the kind of the, the various tragedies that seem to uh, emanate from Anne Lovett's death um, and that's I suppose as a, a local community that's their right um, but I don't know the if we go back to what I was saying before about my, my hopes with my, my own parenting approach and my daughter the idea of you know, address address the failure. Address the failure. Address address the bad moments and own them. And that's how healing happens. And that's how that's how you create at least the possibility of of growth, of evolution, um, and of a, a deeper, more trusting understanding. Um, and I just, I, I mean, I, I can't speak. I don't have, you know, I, I don't have, I don't have a strong sense of that landscape now in Ireland. I'm not a woman, obviously. Um, I think that particular aspect of female repression, you know, in, in the area of having children, um, you know, as a young mother or as an unwed mother, um, that stigma is not there in the same way it once was. I mean, I mean, I remember when I was in school, when I was in you know secondary school, there were girls who got pregnant, and my memory of those girls is you know they 
they would you know they they would have left the school. My sense was they had the support of the school, and this would have been roughly the same time, just a little bit later, maybe three or four years later. Um, heading kind of towards the late 80s, like 87, 88, 89. Um, but my sense was that those girls from my school, and I, I, can, I think, I feel like there were two or three girls I can remember, but my feeling was that they had the support of the school, but they, those girls, I mean, you know, those girls, in my eyes, there was no sense of, you know, the fallen woman. <laughs> um I just thought, I, I just felt that their sadness was palpable and that their their youthfulness, their, you know, their immaturity and their vulnerability felt palpable to me. Um, and, you know, none of them, none of them stayed in school. Um, but, and I suppose there was also the part of me just, that just was like fascinated that, oh, wow. They had sex. How nice for them. Now that that would have been, you know, that was. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I mean, that's that was definitely in my thinking as well. Like I was slightly in awe, um, but I was aware of the very serious implications. But I didn't think any less of them than you know other girls in the school who hadn't um, become pregnant. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just revisiting my own thoughts there. But yeah, where you know where we're where we're at now. Again, like you know, you you talk about cultural change. Um, I mean the other the other part of that story is only you know less than a year earlier in 1983 there'd been a, a referendum that tried to basically um, kind of copper fasten um, or you know yeah yeah kind of copper fasten a piece of uh, Irish constitutional legislature to ensure that pro-life was kind of enshrined in the in the Irish constitution and sorry if you don't you know by pro-life, I mean like you know a very strongly um, anti-abortion position. Um, you know, got kind of locked into the the Irish institution. It was an amendment. The the kind of was it was it the again? I'm a bit shaky on my history here, but that amendment, yeah, basically made it much much harder um, for 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 women to get abortions. Um, so it kind of compounded the problem. And that definitely was in the mix as well. And a few years ago, finally, uh, we were still in Australia, but the, the you know the Irish people voted to repeal the eighth and get that amendment changed, so all of that can be freed up. Um, but actually, as I sit here, as I sit here now, I realise, like an idiot, that if you asked me. Can you get an abortion in Ireland? I still don't know the answer. So that makes me a gobshite. I'm going to look it up. Um, that was a big a big moment, though. That, that, that amendment a few years ago. Um, 
Can you get an AB? Oh, they're going to make me type out the whole thing. How boring. And I apologise to the people listening. Go, you, you know, how can you not know that? Would you not have looked that up before you started recording? I know, I should have. Um, let's see. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it says here, an abortion is available for free in the public health service if you live in Ireland. Okay. Yeah, so... But, you know, again, my ignorance, my ignorance on on that front, it is it is kind of connected to how long and extricated that battle was. Um, and that was a very, you know, it was a very hotly contested thing 40 years ago. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. OK. So anyway, it's, uh, you know, things have improved massively on that front um but look sorry i didn't i did i didn't want to go down i didn't i wasn't trying to go down any rabbit holes there i mean i suppose another reason that those stories were on my mind um was there's actually a film an irish film coming out uh this weekend actually simply called Anne. And it's directed by a director called Kieran Cray. That's C R E A G H, Kieran Kieran Cray. And it stars young Irish actress Zara Devlin. And it's going to the film's going to tell the story of the the final day of Anne Lovett's life. Uh, and I read uh, a profile, um, uh, you know, of of that you know of the movie and the story um, a few days ago, and, and that's probably what really kind of kicked me into wanting to talk about it today um i don't know so that's you know that'll be one to watch out for um the director said they found it very hard like listen to this the director said it was very difficult to raise money for that in ireland and they ended up getting quite a bit of funding from america and doesn't that kind of tell you um something now, maybe that's just, you know, producers, potential investors going, nah, this is a story that people aren't going to want to, aren't going to want to watch. But it also says, come on, was there not someone with a bit of money who was like, yeah, this would be a, this is a really important thing to talk about. It's a really important part of our history, our social history to share. Um, it was very real. It was very, very, very real. Um... Yeah, and and actually, I, I just had a flash. I had one of my ex girlfriends. So we're going back to the mid nineties. One of her friends um, got pregnant and didn't want to keep the 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 baby, and she had to travel over to England. And I was I was involved insofar as my girlfriend asked me to 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 give them money so that she could go across which I did um, that was the mid 90s um, yeah so that was still a yeah like you know, that, that's not that long ago although that's only 10 years after after the the, the, the stories I've just been talking about but look um, yeah I'm going to attach a couple of links because I listened to there's a couple of great you know not, you know shortish but really good um, and far more informed uh, podcasts 
on these specific stories that you might find interesting and um i'll i'll, I'll attach them I'll, I'll throw links into them in the in the information for this episode but i suppose to to conclude um like if you know if young women and if young pregnant women were among the most vulnerable people in Irish society 40 years ago and you'd like to think nowadays that that is no longer the case um and I, and I believe that's no longer the case certainly not to the you know to the extent um it was the case back then but if if we put that into this context of of neglect who's been neglected who's been omitted who's been who's been overlooked who are we not paying attention to who is feeling fearful of coming forward with their stuff who feels like they've got nowhere to turn to or nobody to turn to who feels like the the judgment of an entire society is going to come crashing down on them um i'm not sure i'm not sure who that is nowadays and i'm sure it's somebody um i mean i i know from having very initial very initial conversations um with someone who's very centrally involved in the trans activism community i mean maybe trans people feel that way um you know it like that's so I don't know. Like th- th- that's that's how I'd be thinking about it. Is like, who are we neglecting? Who are we not paying attention to? Who are we damaging, and forcing into terrible decisions? And you can be sure, uh, you can be damn sure, um, you know, self harm and suicide uh, are are in that list of bad decisions and desperate, um, desperate choices, de- desperate options that people feel. Um, they have to turn to uh so yeah i don't know that's that's kind of yeah that's that that's where i'm at um but but for some reason this week i, I don't know my, my heart my heart just broke revisiting those stories and and looking at the the details and and listening to uh, you know via those podcasts i listen to listening to other people's accounts um one thing i did like um, in the Kerry Baby's case, it did seem to um, ignite some very powerful women's solidarity, um, and there, you know, women travelled down to to Kerry to stand outside the, the courthouse in Tralee, which is a, you know, the county town of Kerry, and they stood outside in solidarity with Joanne Hayes, and they chanted, "Who's on trial?" who's on trial and they they wore yellow flowers as their as their symbol of solidarity um and i I found that very beautiful i just i mean i'm i'm very moved by solidarity in general but um to think of the vulnerability of those women to think of the horrible in joanne hayes's case the horrible victimization uh, that she had to experience 
um, and survive and just women from all over the country going you know we see you we know who you are we, we can see what's happening in a time when you know it was far more difficult to do that um, I just I, I salute those women and I salute Joanne Hayes and I salute and love it um, so yeah I think um, you know just ask yourself who are you going to wear a yellow flower for that's my final thought today okay I'm going to leave it there. I've got to go and collect my daughter from school. So thank you for listening. Um, and I apologize if that was confronting or harrowing. Um, but I believe very strongly, you know, we have to we have to look at these things and, and face them and engage with them in honest, honest, open, non-judgmental ways and examine our own feelings and examine our own thoughts and be open to to talking about them with with other people um because that's that's of value that's all that's of worth to to ourselves to our communities to the the places we live um and in this case in particular uh to you know to the women in our lives so yeah there you go that's it okay listen uh, as ever you can throw me some love on social media you can rate me on itunes wherever you listen to this a review, a comment, a share. You can get involved financially <laughs> by using the supporter link uh, to give a one-off contribution to this independent production. Or you can use the Patreon link, which is patreon.com forward slash the clear out, where you can become a regular benefactor, a patron of the show. And that would be very, very welcome. So, yeah, let's keep rocking. Um, yeah, yeah. Stay positive. Keep believing in yourself. Know you have more resources than you, than you realize. We are such a, an adaptable uh, species. So, and, and you and I, we're, we're, we're among those people, those beings, those organisms of this species. So we will survive and thrive and stay alive. There you go. I'll talk to you next week. All the best. Take it easy. Mind yourself. Bye.